Very good. Very good. So good to see everyone this morning. Man, I'm a little bit jealous of Mira's babies here. How impressive is that? I, I don't think I've ever had that much here. Um, but anyway, how's everyone doing? How's everyone's week been? Everyone had a good week? Yeah? Good week? I've had a mixed bag. I uh, woke up on Tuesday with a, like a slight tingle in my tummy, and that developed into 24 hours of hell on earth. And I'm still kind of trying to figure out whether it was a tummy bug or it was food poisoning, but I'm going to put it down to my father-in-law's very questionable cooking. It was uh, bad. Like, I, th- I thought I was dying. You know when you're so sick that you just start feeling sorry for yourself? Like, I, I was almost going to start crying, and um, I'm a bit embarrassed, but I was kind of listening out to see if anyone else in the house had it, just to kind of make me feel a little bit better about being the only one sick. Um, The final nail in the coffin, though, was when Samantha came out very concerned that I was spewing too loud and might wake up Ivy and told me to go into the bedroom. So uh, I'm clearly the priority in our relationship. But uh, on the flip side, we, uh, we moved into our first home on Thursday, which was, yeah, thank you, Jesus. Uh, it was the, the most beautiful gift and but by the grace of God. So it has been a mixed week. But anyway, I'll digress. As we all know, today is Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, the day that Jesus rose from the dead. It's the cornerstone and foundation of our faith that God is who he said he is, that death could not hold him, that he conquered the grave. And today we celebrate that. In fact, there would be no Christianity without the resurrection. The resurrection is what birthed the church, this confident hope that Jesus is who he says he is and he's coming back again. So I'm looking forward to sharing about the story of hope today, but just before I do that, I'm going to take a moment uh, to pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for who you are. Holy Spirit, I thank you you're here this morning. Uh, Would you teach through me and would you open each heart to receive this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, So last week, um, Samantha and I celebrated our fifth wedding anniversary. Um, I think she deserves a round of applause for getting that far. (laughs) And I probably deserve a standing ovation, but uh, we we won't do that. But uh, anyway, um, I'm not the most romantic person by nature. It's something I'm working on. I'm not very good at it. I think my older brother got all of those genes, but uh, given the occasion, I thought, oh, I better kind of put a bit of effort in here, and um, we'd been given an, an awesome voucher to a, a nice restaurant from Blaine and Annalise, actually, and I thought, oh, great, that's a good use for the voucher, and um, booked us in to go to Rocket, and I thought, oh, I'll go the extra mile, and we'll do a movie too and um, decided we'd do the movie before rather than after because we need our uh, beauty sleep, and so we were going to see an early movie at 4.30 and then have dinner um, and have a nice night, and it was something we were kind of looking forward to all week. Like, um, we're talking about, oh, it's going to be so nice to have this time away from Ivy, and we've got this dinner to look forward to, and we're kind of looking up the menu and talking about what we're going to order and planning out the evening, and like with each coming day, um, the anticipation was kind of building. We were looking forward to it, and it, it kind of gets to 4.20 on the Friday um, and things started to go wrong. Uh, we, we're getting ready to go in the car, we've left it late and last thing to do is grab the voucher out of the drawer and I go into the drawer and the voucher's not there. And I thought, oh this isn't good and so I kept looking and it's not there and then it was, um, Sam did you move the voucher? Um, no, did you move the voucher? 
well, I didn't move the voucher, so you must have moved the voucher. Uh, you can kind of see where this is going. There was a bit of tension. Um, we started turning the house upside down, looking in the most ridiculous places to find the voucher, and we couldn't find it anyway, so we decided, okay, um, we'll just go because we're going to miss our movie. Um, and let's just say the car ride to the movie was awkward. <laughs> you know when you're kind of trying to pretend to be happy, but you're actually bitterly disappointed, and it was our anniversary, so we're smiling, and, but we were both gutted, eh, because it was a substantial... Uh, amount we were going to have three courses and we're probably both thinking now we're going to have to pay for that and we kind of got our hopes up and um, we get to the movie and uh, thought okay well this might cheer us up a bit and to make matters worse we go up and, and, and go to buy our tickets and they say there's no movies on and it turns out I was looking at the Saturday time so uh, I was on fire and, uh, <laughs> and uh, anyway we came back home we found the voucher and it slipped under the drawer and it turns out that we actually had an awesome evening and probably enjoyed it more given the fact that we thought we lost the voucher, we appreciated it more that we found it. But anyway, I'm getting to my point. As I was preparing this message, I've been thinking about this idea of hope. I've been thinking about hope. Um, and the thing is, is when you have your hope on something, when you're expectant, when you're looking forward to something, when you um, have your eyes fixed on something and it doesn't turn out the way you think it will, it comes with disappointment. It comes with grief. It comes, it kind of cuts to your core because you had this hope, you had this expectation, you had this idea of something that you thought was going to happen. And when it doesn't happen, it comes with like a low. It can really cut to your core. It's sort of like with that example with the dinner, because we were so um, expectant about it, because we were so looking forward to it, when it didn't eventuate, it like took the air out of the room. And the thing is, like if you think about that, we probably would have bought dinner anyway on our anniversary. If we didn't have a voucher, we would have been quite happy to go and pay for dinner. But it was the fact that we had this idea of having this free dinner, this free three-course dinner, and that not eventuating, that caused um, this loss of hope. And that's quite a small, trivial example, but I, I really believe there's been a lot of lost hope over the past few years. There's been a lot of disruptions. There's been constant changes. There's been plans that have constantly been moving. There's been like graduations missed and births of kids missed. There's been weddings missed. There's been losses of jobs. There's been just when you feel like something's going to happen, it gets changed again and changed again and changed again. And it would be pretty natural if a lot of people in this room are feeling quite fatigued, if a lot of people are feeling quite tired, if a lot of people are feeling quite disappointed or, or jaded or even have that sense in their heart of just feeling low. You know, in Proverbs 13, 12, it says this. It says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. It's sort of saying when you have hopes and they keep getting pushed back and they don't, get a, and they don't uh, eventuate, it can actually make your heart sick. It can cut you to the core of your being. And when you've suffered lots of lost hopes, you can almost get to a point where you think it's better not to even hope. It's better not to have any expectation. It's better not to hope for a better day. It's better not to believe for that thing because if I don't have hope, at least I don't have to be disappointed if it doesn't eventuate. At least I don't have to deal with the hurt. At least I don't have to deal uh, with the grief. And, and there's an element of safety there because it provides safety from us being hurt. But I really believe that God wants us to be people of hope. He doesn't want us to be people that are, are cynical or jaded or um, downtrodden and, and seeing things through a negative lens, but he calls us to be people of hope, a people that can acknowledge that things don't work out uh, as we plan all the time and we can grieve and we can be disappointed, but in that we have this tension of a greater hope because we know what we have 
in Jesus. This is what the Apostle Paul would pray over the Roman church. He says this, may the God of hope, that is the God we serve, the God of hope, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So in that trusting in God, he wants to fill us with joy and peace, not only so we're hopeful in our own spirits, but it actually starts to overflow over onto those around us. And in the resurrection, we find a hope that cannot be taken. We find a hope that's settled. We find an anchor, a point that we can keep coming back to again and again and again, that Christ has conquered death, the final, uh, the final enemy. He's conquered sin. He's risen again, and he's coming back to restore us. This is what Paul said to the church in Thessalonica. He says this, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. He's kind of saying that as Christians, we should have a higher hope quotient than people that don't believe in God because we've got the hope that Christ is coming back. We've got the hope that we're going to rise again. We've got the hope that all things are going to be made right. We've got the hope that the world's going to be redeemed. We've got the hope that creation going to be restored. And Paul's saying we should have hope. He says this, for we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so we will be there with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. He's coming to restore creation. He's coming to make every right wrong. Can you imagine a creation that's not marred by sin? Can you imagine the beauty? Can you imagine what it's going to be like with our king coming back? He's coming back to make every wrong right. And so we need to encourage each other with those words. We need to remind each other. We need to fix our eyes on that because it provides hope. It provides an anchor. It provides like a, a steadfastness. This is what Paul says to the Corinthian church along the same lines. He says, but let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment in the blink of an eye when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our bodies must be transformed into, a, into immortal bodies. We're going to be, have these um, glorified bodies. It's, and then it says, then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. He's saying stand firm. 
always give yourself fully. There's a promise that cannot be taken. There's an eternity for you that, that, that cannot be taken. There is hope. There is redemption. There is completion. And he's saying, stand firm because Christ is coming back. And just finally, this is what the Apostle John says in the book of Revelation, talking about the new heaven and the new earth that, that, that we're going to inherit. He says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. The old order of things has passed away. Isn't that full of hope? There'll be no more death, no more crying, no more sin, no more brokenness, no more disorder. Everything will be complete. What God began when he created the world is beautiful creation. He's going to restore it to that, but even better. And when we have our eyes fixed on that, it provides endurance. It provides hope. It, it sort of anchors us and it anchors our lives and it gets us living for the right things because when things aren't going in this world, we know we're living for a better world. We know we're living for eternity, not in the temporal. And so today, I want to talk about three ways that we can actually live in that hope, that we can actually embody it. The first one is this, if you're taking notes. We need to have our hope anchored in the life that is to come. We need to have our hope anchored in the life that is to come. It says in the scripture that when we put our faith in Christ, we become citizens of heaven that we actually, our true citizenship is that of heaven. We're no longer citizens of earth, but our, but our eternal abode is in heaven. Paul says this in Philippians 3, he says, but we are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly awaiting for him to return as our Savior. You know, when you, when you know that your citizenship is somewhere else, you live for that. Because when we start viewing the world as if we're only passing through and we're going to arrive at our home one day, we don't hold so tightly to the things of the world because we know that, that our true citizenship is in heaven. Peter says this, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Other versions say aliens and exiles, sojourners and pilgrims. He's saying like, don't have a mindset of where this is your final home. View this as like a, a passing place. View this as something you're journeying through. View, view this that you're actually living and you're on the way to your home. Don't get so attached to what's going on here that you lose sight of the true hope. In the message it says, friends, this world is not your home. So don't make yourselves cozy in it. And that's the question I have for you. What is your hope in? What are you living for? Where is your eyes fixed? What, what, where, is, what, where is all of your thought energy going? Is it around the temporal things that are here today or gone tomorrow? Are you living for your true home? Are you laying up treasures for your true home? Are you living out a legacy that, that, there, that there will be a reward for your true home that's not gone in 80 years but endures forever? The Apostle Paul says something really challenging in, in a letter to the Corinthians. He says, If only for this life we have hope in Christ... We're of all people to be most pitied. If only in this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people to be most pitied. And that troubles a lot of the prosperity gospel because he's saying if our hope is only to have a better life in this life, we're actually to be really pitied because our true hope isn't in this life. 
we're actually not living for this life. We're living for the next life. So if we as Christians have, have just a, a, a following Christ to have a better life here, we've actually kind of missed the point. We've missed the mark. He's, he's good and he wants to like heal us and restore us. But the true hope is the hope of heaven. You know, in, in some parts of the world, for people to follow Christ, it will cost them their lives. It comes with persecution, it comes with suffering, and like in, in our culture in New Zealand, that scripture might be hard to understand, but it's just a reminder that we need to be sure that our hope's in the right thing. Is our hope in the right thing? Is it in eternity? Is it in, in heaven? Is it sort of making a difference now so people will be us with them? We need to have our hope anchored in the life to come. The second key to living in hope is to know that we have everything we need for this life right now in Christ. This is what Jesus says in John 5. He says, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. You know, the moment that we put our faith in Jesus, we get united with God. We get restored with God. Our spirits that were kind of uh, cut off from God and we're dead, get, it says in the scripture that, it, that, that, that it's made alive, that we're reunited with God, that we're in communion with God, that we've actually passed from death to life the moment our faith is in Christ, that we're not waiting until we die to, to start to inherit eternal life, but it's something that starts now because eternal life is actually communion with God. It's being in relationship with the source of life. And so when we realize that we have everything we, re we need right now, when Christ, it gives us hope. You know, we have access to the Holy Spirit right now that produces the true riches, peace, love, joy, patience, communion with God. And, and when we start to realize that, hey, we, we don't need things out here, but God's already given us everything in here, we can start to find great contentment. Paul is someone who, who learned this secret. This is what he says in Philippians 4. He says, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. He said, I've learned the secret of being content. I've learned the secret of having hope that doesn't go away. I've learned the secret of, and it's being anchored to Jesus. It's knowing that I have hope in me. It's knowing that I have him in me. It's knowing that I'm with him. It's knowing that he has everything I need. And when that is my focal point, when my relationship with him is my focal point, when my abiding in him is my focal point, it breeds great contentment and great hope. Okay, my final key to living in hope this morning is to keep coming back to the love of God. This is what Paul says in Romans 5. He says this, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. We have peace with God. We're made right. Because of our faith, God has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. He's talking about hope. We confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance. He's saying when we've got this perspective that our hope is fixed on, on meeting Jesus, on being united with him, we can actually endure 
um, troubles and trials and disappointments and changes in schedule because we know he's producing something in us. He's, he's, he's producing something in our character. He says, and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation and this hope will not lead to disappointment. There's a lot of things that we can put our hope in that will lead to disappointment, but this is something that will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. You know, the Holy Spirit testifies of God's love for us. And I was just thinking about it as I prepared this. Maybe you're here this morning and maybe you feel like, I've never really experienced God's love. I, 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 I can't relate to that verse. And I just really believe that God wants to reveal his love to you. I know that he loves you so much. It's revealed in Jesus and the Holy Spirit wants to give you a tangible uh, feel of that this morning. So I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit is going to reveal his love to you. And just as I come to a close this morning, I just want to recap uh, where we've been today. You know, God calls us to be a people of hope. You know, it has been a tough few years uh, you can be jaded, you can be fatigued, but beneath it all, when you've got hope and eternity, you can have that in the ups and downs. He calls us to have that confident hope, that hope that we only find in Him, and He wants us to overflow with hope. You know, there's so many people that are dejected and tired and fatigued. How cool would it be if Christians had just were full of hope? We're full of hope. Man, it's tough, but you know what? He's coming back. Man, it's tough, but you know what? He's risen. Man, it's tough. You know, I, I know how the story ends. I know my God and he'll use this for his glory. He'll work all things together for good. I'm not even living for this life. I'm living for eternity. I'm passing through. Imagine if we were full of hope. Imagine if we could just give encouragement. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I'm, you know, imagine what the uh, appeal would be to people that are so concerned with just a futile world that it's going gonna, it's gonna to be gone. We're living for eternity. We're living for something better. We're living for something that cannot be taken you know, the resurrection changed everything for us. It changed everything for us. He is not dead. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen and you will rise too. You know, we talked about three things. The first one, which is really, really challenging, it's challenging for me, is to have our hope anchored in the life to come. It's not getting so attached to our lives here that they become our consuming point where our hope is in temporary circumstances and life goals and life progressions, but continually fixing our eyes on the things above so that our hope is in heaven, our hope is in heaven, our hope is in heaven, and we start living for that hope. We start living our lives for that life to come. You know, the second thing is understanding that we have everything we need in Christ. If things are going terribly wrong, we have everything we need in Christ. You have the source of life in you. You have the essence of life itself. You have the living God living within you. So things can be going terribly wrong and you can have access to peace that passes understanding. You can have hope in all circumstances because you have Christ in you, the hope of glory. And when we just remind ourselves that I am in Christ and he is in me and the Holy Spirit is with me, we can begin to have hope. We nurture that by spending time with him, by abiding him, by acknowledging that that is what our hope is and it grows. You know, the third thing is to keep coming back to the love of God. You know, God loves you so much. He loves you so much. You are so precious to him. He loves you. I can't even express how much he loves you. He just loves you so much and it brings hope because that won't disappoint. You know, so just as I close this morning, um, we're going to finish with a time of communion. Uh, and 
um, communions where we remember Jesus, where we remember what Jesus has done for us, where we remember uh, who he is, where we, where we remember him. And if you haven't done communion before or this is new to you, um, the cracker that we eat, that represents his body that, that, that hung on the cross that was broken for us. And, and the, the juice that we drink, that represents his blood that he poured out for us that we may be forgiven um, by, him giving him, by him giving us his innocent blood. And um, often when we, when we do communion, the focus is often on the cross. It's on the suffering of Jesus. And, 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 and in part it should be because he endured so much for us. He gave so much for us. You know, the, the, the value of something is attributed by the price you pay for it. And he gave his own life. That's the highest value. It's the most prized possession. But today, instead of us focusing on the cost it had for him, I want us to focus on the resurrection. Because he didn't just die, but he rose again. He didn't just die for us, but he came back to life. You know, he didn't just take our sins, but he offers us new life. You know, it says in the scripture that when we put our faith in him, we pass from dead to life, that we become new creations in Christ. So we're not just sinners that are forgiven. We're brand new creations that are restored into the image of God. And it's, it's, it's exciting. It's powerful. You know, eternity starts now. It's not something that we inherit when we get to heaven. It's just completed when we get to heaven. We're on this journey of relationship with God now. So as you take the emblems this morning, um, I just really encourage you, just reflect on what Jesus' resurrection means for you. Just reflect on what hope that brings to your spirit. And so if you just stand with me this morning, I'm just going to pray over communion and um, I just invite you, there's a, a station at the back there and one up the front here to um, have some communion. Yeah, dear Lord, uh, Lord, I thank you so much that you, you conquered it all. Lord, you gave yourself for it and you conquered it all, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that all we have to do is trust you. That's the essence of a relationship, is just trust you, Lord. Lord, I thank you that you give us hope. Lord, that you, you're working things out in our life for your ultimate plan. Lord, that our true home and our true riches are in heaven. Lord, that we're living for that. And Lord, um, as we just reflect on your death and resurrection, Father, I, I just ask you to bring hope to the areas of our lives, Lord, where there's fatigue, or disappointment, Lord, or Lord, that you'd even just cause a realignment where our hope has been in the wrong things and our our minds have been fixed on the things of the world instead of the things above. Lord, I pray that your love would be manifest in every heart this morning, a loving Father. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.